Okay, there I was in, in Baghdad, in Iraq, and uh, just the other day. And what? And I was there at the invitation of a guy called Ziad Talkani, who's head of the Rafidain Forum, big event that was being held in the aftermath of the Arab summit. And the thing was, I said, okay, I'll do anything you need me to do. He said, well, <laughs> speak on the speak on the Heisht al-Shabi. Well, guys, you know, the Heisht al-Shabi, the Heisht al-Shabi is the big militia in Iraq. Uh, they, they, there are hundreds of them. They came into existence, many of them based on former groups that have been around for a while, or the bigger amongst them, but they came into existence to deal with Daesh, ISIS, and they uh, were called into existence by Grand Ayatollah Sistani, and their salaries are paid by the Iraq government, just like ordinary soldiers, but they are militia, and some of the older groups from which they were formed are real Toughies, you know, the Butter Brigade for Harvey Al-Amari, or Case Al-Khazali's group, Asayb al-Haq, uh, the, the group that killed quite a number of Brits at one point, uh, British people that were kidnapped in some very nasty murders. And other groups, I mean, uh, the, the the famous group headed by Mohandas, they, they have all have their political wing. The Fatah Alliance is one such uh, grouping in Parliament. And what do I discover then that my friend Zayed Talkani has got me up on a platform with a general from the Peshmerga, General Jabba, a nice guy actually, General Jabba Yawar. Then up there is Lieutenant General Abdul Amir Yarullah, Chief of Staff of the Iraq Army. And alongside them, apart from me, there are two, <laughs> two characters, bless their hearts, Ahmed al-Assadi, and Adnan Al-Fayan. Now, these are not softies at all. Adnan, they're both in Parliament, as it happens, but they both represent the political wing. So Adnan Al-Fayan uh, represents the political wing, or heads the political wing of Asaib al-Haq, Kaysal Khazali's group, possibly, what, the third largest militia group in Iraq. And uh, Ahmed al-Assadi, well, he's the spokesperson of the Fatah Alliance, which is the overall political wing of the Heisht al-Shabi. So these are pretty heavy guys I suddenly find myself with. And I've been asked to speak about the Heisht al-Shabi, and I really found I had to tell it like it was. I mean, you do, don't you, in these circumstances? At least, uh, and, and I can see the, the need for the Heisht al-Shabi was there with Daesh, and Daesh hasn't gone, for goodness sake. But, so I needed to say something, something constructive. And this is what I said, and I remember, remember we're in the run-up to the elections here, and I've created quite a storm, so you might be interested to hear it. I'll just give it to you as it was. I have something to say about the Heshtal Shabi, but allow me a little leeway as I begin. I believe in reality there is no disconnect between political integrity and religion. The basis of religion is truth. Politics, however, are often not grounded in truth. Politics are often not based on political integrity. At the first ever elections held in Iraq, the Sunni community in its entirety boycotted the polls. The consequence was that at the count, the governments of the United States of America and the United Kingdom, with the collusion of the United Nations, insisted that the Sunni community, the Sunni community be allocated a small proportion of the vote despite the boycott. And the Iraqis present agreed for the good of Iraq. 
The point is that political expediency is often justified on the basis of self-serving politics masquerading as political integrity. There is nothing of God in a compromise with regard to honesty. We are in a not dissimilar situation today with some of the Iraq population still threatening to boycott the vote because they are disillusioned with the current political process. However, people died so that votes could be cast in Iraq. We should not squander that privilege lightly. And allow me to continue, and this will be relevant to the Heisht al-Shabi. Is this lack of political integrity a mere historical matter? No, it persists. I have been one of those privileged to observe elections in Iraq over the years, and I remember many instances of this kind. One classic case was in regard to the Kurdish referendum on independence, where the people of Kirkuk appeared to vote substantially for independence, that despite the fact that Turkmen, Arab, and Kurd tend to view this matter differently, and as an election observer, I asked to see the location of the count once the surprising Kirkuk result had been announced. I was taken to a warehouse in which all the votes still remained, in plastic boxes. Not a single vote had been counted, and yet a result had been announced. Why was this done? Why was the vote tampered with? Undoubtedly, in the view of those that conducted this misdemeanor, they were doing so for the good of Iraq and for the good of Kurdistan, or for the good of whatever it was they believed in. Politicians always claim to have political integrity. They always do their best as they see it. But if they allow themselves to move away from the standards that religion engenders, the compromise is unacceptable. And is this relevant to the Heisht al-Shabi? They have their political wings. That will stand in the elections on 10th of October. And are the Heisht al-Shabi always politically correct? Far from it. I well remember attending a polling station in North Baghdad where elements of an armed militia force were actually inside the polling station intimidating Sunni voters. Similar things can and do happen in regard to Shiite voters, and that kind of thing is counterproductive and is most certainly not for the good of Iraq. What we need from the Heisht al-Shabi is for them to become the protectors of democracy in Iraq, and this they can do and should do. They should stand firm with the people of Iraq. After all, the Heisht al-Shabi came into existence to defend the people of Iraq, and they have been in the vanguard laying down their lives to protect those people from Daesh. Well, now they can and should be the ones to continue to protect the people of Iraq from the enemies of democracy. However, there have been reports that some groups accused of belonging to the Heisht al-Shabi have intimidated demonstrators whose only crime has been to stand up for the people in the fight against corruption. That is not the role of the Heisht al-Shabi. There are those that question the right of these de facto militia groups to continue to exist. But they have served a purpose, and as long as they again become the defenders of Iraq's frail democracy, they will continue to serve a purpose. And another point. There is a need for the political wing of each force of the Heisht al-Shabi to distance itself from the military wing in some degree, in so much as the military Heisht al-Shabi should serve the people of Iraq as a whole, whereas the political wings 
will each have their own unique agenda. In a British context, you could make a comparison between the Irish Republican Army, the IRA, and Sinn Féin, their political wing. There is a synergy between the two, but there is also a distance. They have a different purpose. That distance between politics and the military is essential. And there is a further issue here. There is an acute need for the Heshtal Shabi in its military dimension to have no influence from foreign powers, and that applies to the United States of America or the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, or most importantly in this context to the Islamic Republic of Iran. I understand that historic loyalties run way back, but it is no longer fitting in modern Iraq for military groups to be loyal to anyone else but Iraq. This is self-evident, this is so obvious and fundamental that it is key. And if military groups, militia, call them what you will, are loyal to parties outside Iraq, they no longer have a right, in my view, to exist. And finally, should the Heshtal Shabi in the fullness of time be absorbed into the Iraq army? Of course they should. Now, I fully appreciate that the Heshtal Shabi are answerable to the Prime Minister. However, they should in the long term come under central command of some kind and be part and parcel of the Iraq armed forces. That too is inevitable, and indeed that was in a sense what was happening prior to the arrival of Daesh on the scene. The Heshtal Shabi in some dimensions had a former incarnation, at least some elements of them did, in groups like the Badr Brigade, which were slowly but steadily being absorbed into the armed forces of Iraq, had the acute need to face the horror that was Daesh not emerged, then that process would have continued, and ultimately it must resume. But that said, we need the Heisht al-Shabi, they must remain, they must remain on the right terms, under the right conditions, and those conditions are that they serve the people of Iraq as a whole, Sunni, Shiite, and Kurdish, and not an individual warlord, however credible that warlord may be. So that was what I had to say. Yeah, I caused, I guess, a bit of a storm. It certainly caused a storm amongst those I was on the panel with. They weren't entirely happy, but there you go. I'll talk about the reaction to this and the aftermath of this in another podcast. Thank you.